Aloha, I'm Joshua Cooper, and welcome to Cooper Union, what's happening with human rights around our world on ThinkTech Live, broadcasting from our downtown studios in Honolulu, Hawaii, and Moana Nui Akea. Today, we're looking at access to abortion as a human right, women fight for reproductive rights in the United States. Access to abortion is a human right, and international human rights committees have consistently found that criminalizing abortion violates the rights of women, girls, and people who can become pregnant in a number of ways. Today, we're speaking with Tara, who has great experience focusing on this issue here in the United States, but also around the world. Tara, please share with us a bit about why abortion and access to abortion is a fundamental human right for all women and girls. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me and the opportunity to talk about this. I think Obviously, for your viewers, for everyone, this is really top of our mind as our abortion rights are under consistent and violent attack here in the United States. And we're seeing it in the news every day. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to say a bit more. So when folks think about abortion, you might not be think of it, thinking about it in a human rights context, but access to abortion is a human right. And it's a human right that's been outlined and defined in a number of treaties and documents and agreements and final outcomes in international spaces and in international fora and mechanisms. It includes the right to live free from violence. It includes the right to choose the number and spacing of your children. It includes the right to the highest standard of medical care and equal access to that medical care. It includes the right to live free from discrimination. It includes the right in some cases to live free from torture. All these things, including your right to like live in civil and political life and cultural life, all these things are at stake when you don't have equal access to abortion. So when these attacks on abortion are happening, they're not just negative in the ways that seem really obvious to us or our civil rights in the United States, but they're part of a human rights attack about stripping away our human rights. And abortion is a fundamental human right, and it is central to accessing all other human rights for people who can get pregnant. If you can't control your body, you can't control the very basic decisions about your own body, you don't have the same access to the rest of your human rights. I totally agree. And I love the way you connected all of the way civil, political, economic, social, cultural, mm. and rooting it in gender justice. That is absolutely essential as we look at what's going on. And as you did share, the US Supreme Court reversal of Roe v. Wade in June 2020 does deny women federal protection. And that's ushered in a new era of engagement for gender equality and equity that we need to organize around. Can you mm. share with us a bit of what has been the strategy since that unfortunate ruling that definitely takes the US down the wrong path where the rest of the world in many ways is actually encouraging and enriching the rights of women around the world. Yeah, and let me start there. I mean, one of the things that folks may not know is that the United States is now wildly out of sync with the rest of the world, which is increasingly liberalizing abortion laws, increasing access to abortion. So we've seen great victories in places that, you know, we would have thought is unimaginable, places that have deeply held anti-abortion laws and um, anti-women and anti-pregnant person biases. We've seen abortion pass in Argentina and in Ireland. We've seen abortion um, increase access in Mexico and Colombia, and then you see the United States going backwards. So folks obviously know that in June of last year, the Supreme Court ruled, um, they struck down Roe versus Wade, and um, they, they struck down other ruling that is around birth control and access to um, abortion in, in that case. What this means is that your right to control your own body, to not be forced by the state to give birth, now depends on where you live and what state you live in. So now 13 states 
12 have total abortion bans. One has a six-week abortion ban. These are places in which you have no access to legal and safe abortion under the laws of the state. And this is, of course, as people might anticipate, large swaths of the South. So we're looking at massive healthcare deserts where people are forced, if they are able, to travel thousands of miles to access basic medical care, because that's what abortion is. It's basic medical care. But what the Supreme Court has done and what, the, what we've seen in the last, over the last 20 years is a political issue, 30 years, is the politicization of abortion. And what's happened now is individual states who've been working for decades to restrict abortion access, who've been working for decades to restrict education for sexual and reproductive health and rights, who've been working for decades to roll back rights against LGBTQI youth. And these are all deeply related, this anti-racist agenda. Now it's up to the states to, to, to decide your right to abortion. So one of the things that's really important to know is that, of course, before Roe fell, that access to abortion was already not equal, that poor people, people in rural spaces, black and brown and indigenous people had way less access to abortion, even when it was legal under federal protection. But now that gap is even wider. Those gaps are much, much wider. So the people who are impacted the most are going to be the people who already had the hardest time accessing abortion health care. Really excellent points. And the way you described it really points out how crucial, because when the United States Supreme Court ruled to end protections for the right to abortion on June 24th, it really did set in motion actions yeah. that states have been licking their chops at to actually implement yeah. for a very long time. And as you pointed out, this means now that individual states across the U.S. regulate the right to abortion. And that abortion is now totally or nearly totally banned in 26 states in the U.S., more than half of the country. And they're even mm -hmm. poised to even enact more restrictions and bans. Can you share how people have fought back and how they're taking action to try to ensure that even though the Supreme Court ruling took place, that they're able to maintain the rights that have been able to be gained over these decades? Yeah, I mean, and you said it, Josh. So we have 13 states where abortion is now totally illegal. And then you have, but you have another 13, so 26 total, total states where it's near impossible to access. So maybe it's not technically illegal yet, but it's incredibly difficult to access. So this has been in the works for, for years and years in states that have been looking at rolling back rights. And these are the same states that are also looking at back rolling it rights to, you know, protect indigenous land defenders, to protect our rights to protest, to protect trans youth. These are states that are looking to consolidate political power and using our human rights as a scapegoat to do that. The good news is that the pro-rights movement is very strong and it's very scrappy. It is a scary, scary time right now. And I, I, I feel that in my bones as someone who, you know, honestly thought we'd never get to this point. You think that you'll never see a Supreme Court case like that go away. But these, you know, the movement, particularly for abortion rights, has been people on the ground working within their communities to make sure that another person, their sisters, their brothers, their trans brothers, their people in their communities have the access to the abortion that they need. Abortion is an extremely personal thing. It's a medical decision that you make for yourself and your own body. And that means making sure people have abortion care is a deeply communal thing. Abortion is not just a good for an individual person. It's a community good when people get to decide for themselves if and when they carry a pregnancy to term, when people have access to emergency health care that can include abortion, when people are able to control their own destinies. These are all good for communities. So you've seen that work for abortion care 
really rooted in communities for a long time. And that's been, it, it takes a lot of different forms. One of those is through abortion funding. And every state, including Hawaii, has an abortion fund. The National Network of Abortion Funds, NNAF, is a great way to find out how you can support what is community funding for abortion. Because even in places like Hawaii, where, where you don't have those same restrictions as other states, it's still expensive to get medical care. You might have to take a day off of work. You might have to travel to a different island. Like these are still things that cost money. And so, so that's one of the main ways we see abortion work happening now. But the other is, is a movement that has grown, you know, I, I think a lot in the last 10 years, it looks very different than the movement of our mothers, um, but that has, you know, grown really strong and extremely intersectional to focus on the question of not just the, or the rights to abortion, but reproductive justice in general. When states and when the government is looking to control your body, it's not just about your access to abortion, although that would be enough. That would be enough for this fight, right? But it's not just about that. It's about states looking to criminalize Black and Brown and Indigenous people. It's about states trying to consolidate um, political power by making it harder to vote. So all these things are connected, and the movement to protect these rights has to be deeply connected as well. So we've seen really, really strong movements across states. And there's good news that has come out of this as well, which is that there are states working proactively, like Hawaii, like California, or Connecticut or Colorado, just three C states right there, that are working to protect abortion rights, to make sure that people who can get pregnant in their communities and in their state have access to abortion, which is, again, basic health care, but also that people who have to now travel from other states have access or that abortion providers who are helping people won't be criminalized themselves. So we've seen a lot of movement there as well. It's important for everyone to know that this is a, this is a fight we will win. Abortion is a human right. People have been having abortion long before Roe versus Wade was, was the rule, uh, law of the land, so to speak. Long after Roe, people will have abortions when they need abortion. And the movement to make sure people can have safe and legal and accessible abortion in the way that makes the most sense for them, that's a strong movement. This is a huge blow and it's a huge setback and we need everybody engaged in get, making sure that we're fighting for those rights, including in states where you think, oh, well, we're safe here. We have sort of liberal states that are rights focused, right? It's really important that your state representatives and your governor hear from you. They need to know that this is really important to you and that you're not going to like let them get a pass. On like, well, it could be worse. I could be living in a state like Texas, which has criminalized abortion to the point that you can now bounty hunt to get to, to, and you get a fee if you, $10,000 fee for bounty hunting someone who helped with an abortion. So you think, oh, it's not so bad. It could be worse. We need to make sure our lawmakers, including in states that are protecting human rights, know how important it is so that they continue to make that more accessible for people, that they continue to fight for our rights across the board, and that they work to make a better union across the United States as well. And it's so true. And you did point out access to abortion is a human right. Under international human rights law, everyone has a right to life, a right to health, and a right to be free from violence, discrimination, and torture, or other cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment. And forcing someone to carry a pregnancy against their will for whatever reason is a violation of all of those rights together. And as you did share, abortion will always happen. But what we've secured for nearly half a century was that abortion was legal, safe, and accessible for all. And now, the United States is regressing when it comes to human rights to abortion care. And we need to make sure, as you said, every woman, every yeah. state across the country 
to point out that we also are the majority, that everyone That's believes right. in this right and see how yeah. we can move forward to guarantee it. That's such a good point, Josh. I mean, I think one thing, if, if folks watch the news, which is an exhausting, sometimes feeling like a full-time job, it might seem like abortion is an extremely contentious 50-50 issue in the United States. Like, well, half of people support the right to abortion and the other half don't. That is not true. The vast majority of Americans support the right to safe and legal abortion. 80% of Americans opposed the ruling on Roe, 80%. You can't find that polling on almost anything. People can have very complex feelings about abortion, whether or not they might get an abortion for themselves, but overwhelmingly, they support the right to abortion, and they don't support restricting or criminalizing abortion. So right after Roe fell, the first sort of test of abortion's popularity was in Kansas, West Virginia, Montana, California. These were four states that had some version of ballot measures um, or, or votes, and these were votes of the people, not of not of, of their um, their House or Senate, votes of people. And Kansas was the first state. Kansas is not a liberal state. It is not a state that like routinely fights for human rights causes or more progressive causes, right? But Kansas opposed further restrictions on abortion, which their legislature was trying to pass through. They opposed them by a large margin. And that included people who traditionally um, think of themselves and vote Republican in lots of ways. This is not a Democrat-Republican issue. This is an issue of people who believe that we have the right to control their own, our own bodies and that the, it should not be the job of the state, whether the individual state or the federal government, to tell you that you have to carry a pregnancy to term. No one should be Forced to carry a pregnancy against their will for no, for any reason, and that is just overwhelmingly popular in the United States. In West Virginia, a deeply, deeply conservative state, the ballot measure that was meant to restrict abortion failed. In Montana, the ballot measure meant to restrict abortion failed. These are states that you might not think, oh well, you know, California, sure, we've got more more you know rights there in Hawaii. But this is not the, the issue that our media sort of paints it to be. So it's really important to understand that not only are we on the right side of human rights, but like this is a popular issue. So why are these things happening? And they're happening because of the other human rights attacks that have happened against democracy and participation, right? So you have a state like Kansas that has support, supports the right to abortion, but their state has been gerrymandered so that their elected representatives skew much further right than the actual population. This is true in every state. It's not just Kansas, including California and, and, and including Hawaii, right? That, that the legislatures are more conservative than people in general. So we have to be really careful when we look at these trends to understand that ultimately, most people understand that the right to abortion is something that every individual needs to make a decision for themselves. So we need to join together in that power together to make sure that we're continuing to hold our elected leaders accountable who are acting against us. And it really is an opportunity to create a national human rights movement around mm -hmm. common sense aspects of well-being. I know mm -hmm. New Zealand's been looking at a well-being economy, looking at putting everything together. And this is what we consider. And as you pointed out, it's a federal, it's officials trying to exercise control over mm -hmm. and dividing us. And recently, reproductive rights advocates faced a really tough pill to swallow with the federal judge ruling that the abortion pill yeah. must be pulled from the shelves. And women in America and around the world respond to these multiple rollbacks of human rights and fundamental freedoms with a call mm -hmm. for gender justice. We now know that national clock is ticking away 
with less than a week for the nation's political leaders to assist women to access the human right to abortion. Can you share with us a bit about that, that decision recently yeah. and what are the next steps we can do to make sure we stop this regress related to the human right to abortion care and make sure that reproductive health services must continue in our country for all? Yeah, so if folks have been paying attention to the news, which you can also take some water and hydrate because it can be really tough listening to this, this hard news. It's just really hard news because the, the lives of real people are impacted when our human rights are politicized like this. So on Friday, a, just, um, a judge in Texas ruled that one of the two drugs that's used in abortion care, so over 50% of abortions in the United States are done via medication. And that might be a surprise to people because when you think about abortion care, you might be thinking about a clinic, but over half of abortions in the United States are done via pills. And those pills are called the short version is MIFE and MISO. And these are a two pill regimen that is um, that's prescribed um, that interrupts a pregnancy. They, they're taken at home, they're prescribed, they're taken at home, um, and, and then they terminate a pregnancy. And what the judge on Friday in Texas ruled is that despite the fact that the FDA has real, ruled MIFE, that's that first pill in the regiment, MIFE, safe for over 20 years that the FDA has to now overturn that ruling. None of this is based on science. None of this is based on facts. All of this is based on the politicization of abortion care. So what this judge has said is that the FDA has to then pull their assessment of this drug, which again is a 20-year assessment on this drug as safe, and that they need to pull this drug and, and, and ultimately not allow uh, MIFE to be on the market. So you can think about this, it's troubling for a number of reasons. One, of course, and I wanna be really, really clear that as of now, there is no, uh, this, this is a held decision right now. If you have a prescription for MIFE and MISO, you can take that prescription no matter what state you're in, it is legal. If you have an appointment for abortion care with your doctor, whether in clinic or telemedicine, please keep that appointment. It's important that you don't interrupt that care because part of this is that trying to create confusion, right? What this could mean is if the, um, if the courts don't step in again on this, is that then a judge with a political agenda can tell the FDA for whatever reason that it needs to take a pill away. Think about HIV, um, AIDS prevention and care, or certain types of um, drugs around that are safe for preventing uh, preventing uh, overdoses, things that there are like morality politicization around, right? So this is a deeply, deeply troubling ruling. And again, there is no basis in fact or science for this. It is purely ideological. At the same time, in the same on the same day, a judge in Washington state ruled that the FDA cannot interrupt access. There was a separate ruling and a separate case that was ruled the same day cannot interrupt access to this pill and needs to continue on again through the process the FDA goes through for every piece of medication, which is testing, making sure it's safe. If it's safe, it goes on the market. So we have two competing rulings and the federal government, the Department of Justice has, um, uh, has put in an injunction asking the courts to stay the Texas ruling until this can in the court of appeals. It is very likely that this moves up to the Supreme Court, which is very troubling for a number of reasons. This current court was appointed exactly to overturn Roe versus Wade. This is a deeply politicized court. The court is not a non-political space. So this is a really, really troubling aspect. And, and what we're seeing is the intervention of extreme right-wing anti-right politics using and disrupting our court system for political agenda instead of based on 
rule of law, instead of based on the FDA science, instead of based on healthcare, to, to push an extreme and unpopular political agenda, one that ultimately impacts the lives of women, girls, and people who can get pregnant and creates real gender injustice and extreme harm to people. It's true. It's really a challenge to science and also a constant mm. undermining of the rule of law at its core. And in this case, it's looking at the issue of abortion. But we can see that across the board in all public yeah. policy that really does guarantee basic human rights for all people. Yeah, that's right. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important for people to stay engaged in this. So I'm from California, the great state of California. I'm here in Washington, D.C. now. But I know if you're living in Hawaii, you have politicians who, in general, your senators, the Perino and Shop, are both really, really good champions for reproductive rights. It's really good. I would say you're lucky, but you're not. These are people that people elected, right? This is These are the things we demand of our senators and our representatives as well. And these are people that you might think, okay, well, you know, I'm super set. It's so important that you reach out to your elected representatives because they also have to make decisions about what they're going to fight for, about what they're going to prioritize and all the issues that are important to you as Hawaiians, that all the issues that are important to them as your representatives, what are they going to spend their capital on and what are they going to really fight for. So it's really important that you're reaching out to your elected representatives, both at the federal level and particularly at the local level, because at the end of the day, whether or not you can access an abortion has a lot to do with your local laws and your local protections. And also, how much does this cost? Is, is your government making sure it's accessible to everyone? And if there's a cost barrier, your government is not making sure it's accessible to everyone. So it's really, really important to step up and, and because it can feel, you can, it's very easy to feel powerless in these situations because if a judge rules in Texas, right, as judges in Texas are wont to do against our human rights in ways that could affect us, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away, it's easy to feel powerless. But it's really important to know that we are not powerless, that not only are we not powerless with the majority, and we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to defend our rights and the rights of our loved ones and our neighbors. So it's, it's really important to, to stand up for that and to see this as an issue, as you're saying, this isn't just about the right to abortion. This is about all our human rights. This is about everything that we hold dear and controlling our own lives and living lives of dignity. And it's really important to stay engaged on that. And that means it's okay if someone thinks like, uh, I don't know, would I have an abortion? That's okay. You have the right to that belief, but you also know that other people have the right to make the decision that's right for themselves. So making sure that we're engaged in this fight, no matter where we are, and that we see this as central to all our human rights, because this is a vast, anti-rights agenda. And this is not like, it can sound a little conspiracy. There is a playbook. It is written down. <laughs> this is a playbook. This is why you see the same groups that fund anti-abortion work, funding anti-LGBTQI stuff that are coming after trans children, that are trying to take children away from their parents. These are the same groups that are fighting against indigenous rights. These are the same groups that are fighting against police um, oversight and, and anti-police violence. These are the same people running that agenda. So it's so important that we're engaged in those levels. And that means everyone has a role, not just if you live in a state that's attacking, but also a state that can do more to defend. We agree. And we know as well when the U.S. didn't ratify CEDAW yet because mm. of a small number of senators who can hold things up, we looked at cities for CEDAW and we passed yeah. legislation here. And what's strong is the U.N. Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, CEDAW, or as we know, the Global Bill of Rights for Women, first 
the denial of medical services, including reproductive health services mm -hmm. that only certain individuals need is a form of discrimination. It's great to see how CEDA, those 22 women of the 23 member body have decided that, but also more importantly, they recognize that stigma around abortion and gender stereotyping is closely linked to criminalization of abortion and other restrictive abortion laws and policies. And that this mere perception that abortion is a law for a moral leads to further stigmatization mm -hmm. of women and girls by healthcare staff, family members, judiciary. And what you're calling for is really access to safe abortion, a matter of human rights, and making sure that it's under international human rights law, we all can stand together in solidarity for a world that we all desire, but demand as well. That's right. And I think Hawaii is such a great example of this, the cities for CEDA, but also with a lot of the human rights initiatives around the, um, the sustainable development goals. Just because our federal government fails to stand up to its obligations, that it is legally bound in treaty, and it fails to then ratify treaties that would help close the gender gap, that would help impact women and girls, doesn't mean that we're powerless, particularly in our cities and our communities and our states, building out that power like cities for CEDA, like the commitments that Hawaii has made to the sustainable development goals. And that's a place where a state like Hawaii can be a real leader, sort of outsized, you know, outsized proportionally to its population. Like you can be a real leader in that movement, state by state, building a human rights movement. And this is, I think, what's really important here, right? Like th this idea is, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. Like how can we be in the majority and be losing like this because power has become so concentrated? And this is why it's so important to keep fighting for those things that matter for us, to centering human rights, and to also helping people understand what undergirds those human rights attacks. And you have it right that one of the questions is stigma. Abortion is healthcare. Abortion is normal. Everyone knows and loves someone who has had an abortion. Everyone knows and loves someone who has had an abortion. In the United States, one in four women will have an abortion in her lifetime. That is one in four people. You know four people. Everyone knows and loves someone who's had an abortion. Abortion is normal. Abortion is healthcare. Abortion is a human right. Abortion is freedom. It is the ability to choose for yourself what is right for your life. These are all values that everybody can get behind. And so when you're having conversations in your communities, when someone brings this up, maybe you have an aunt who's really anti-rights, really anti-abortion, you can center that back to what makes sense to you, normalizing abortion. Abortion is normal. Abortion is healthcare. And when we talk about our rights as though they're somehow shameful or moral questions for other people to decide, that gives power to the narrative, the anti-rights narrative. So one of the things that people can do other than please do contact your elected representatives, reminding them how important this work is, no matter what they can do, they should be fighting harder at the federal level, at the state level, in your communities, in your city councils, in your town and town councils. Like in addition to that, it's talking about abortion. It's talking about abortion with your friends. It's sharing your abortion story if you feel comfortable doing that. It's destigmatizing healthcare. It is destigmatizing abortion, which is safe and normal. Abortion is one of the safest medical procedures that a person can get. It's much more safe than going to the dentist, right? But, but because it's become so stigmatized, lies and anti-rights rhetoric are able to proliferate. So talking about abortion, calling your representatives, and making sure that you're engaged in this fight in whatever way you can is going to be the way we win. And I know that we will win. No, and you really brought up a great point. Hawaii is actually conducting its second voluntary local review, focusing on the sustainable development goals on the ground. Mm -hmm. And what's exciting is when you look at the global goals, 
it really does combine. It's definitely SDG number mm -hmm. five on gender equality, but it's also SDG number three on quality education and focusing on well-being and health. It's mm -hmm. also peace, justice, strong institutions, SDG 16. And it's what you're calling for a partnership, partnership yeah. of peace, where we're able to make sure that everyone can live in dignity and make sure that our democracy functions rooted in the rule of law. So we really thank you for coming and sharing the, all these aspects with us as this is an important aspect of what's happening today in our world. And we'll keep talking and making sure that people are informed of what exactly each ruling means and how mm -hmm. we can all take action daily to ensure sustainable development goal 16, peace, justice, and strong institutions for all. Yeah. And if people have questions or want to learn more, they can go to amnestyusa.org slash abortion. Or if you just Google Amnesty International Abortion, it'll come up. But amnestyusa.org slash abortion. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about this as we think about ways to keep ourselves and our communities healthy um, and in the fullness of our human rights. And thank you so much for your event at the Amnesty International Annual General Meeting. It was one of the most empowering, engaging, unforgettable experiences yeah, yeah. to see the women there in the room, but also via Zoom sharing mm -hmm. to see the solidarity and, and what we will accomplish right. together. Mahalo. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.